You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Ryan. And you're listening to Season 3 of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast. The podcast in which Ryan over here is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I am the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. And as you guys can see, our magnificent studio is in flames because we are covering the traitor pariah marks uh, in this latter end of the season uh, but yeah i can talk for hours about the studio <laughs> so ryan why don't you take over and tell us uh, a bit of the background stories for who we, we are talking about today okay i have two things first before we get into this the first i have to issue a correction because i misspoke in the last episode um, you know, I was saying that you were manipulated uh, into the whole murdering everyone in your home planet and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. That was, I, I, while doing the editing, I realized that I repeatedly said you were manipulated by Fulgrim. I meant to say Lorgar, because that's his entire thing is manipulating people. Just Ooh. so you know. Ooh. Fulgrim doesn't manipulate shit, okay? It's all Lorgar's <laughs> thing, right? You, you're forgiven, at least by <laughs> yeah. me. I don't know about the Warhammer community. No, I, no, one's, nah. no one else is going to. I just wanted to correct it for your sake. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, I see you. Can't have you going around thinking Fulgrim was smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and the other thing, it looks like you got your ass kicked at the gym. <laughs> Why? What do you mean? Oh, ah, <laughs> 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 It took you for a minute. Right <laughs> <laughs> for the people watching uh, on either YouTube and actually on Spotify, you can yeah. watch it uh, the podcast on both platforms. Oh yeah, I do have my trademark scar on right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you go, Ryan. We doing this? Yes, sir. All right. So, as per usual, Maze, in this episode, you are a little super baby. All right. Yes. Now, as you know. You are completely unaware of the galaxy around you. You have no idea what's going on or, you know, how terrible the galaxy is or if there's any good things in it. I'm still not sure if there's any good things in it at this stage. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, the For date-wise, the year is somewhere between 700 and 800 of the 30th millennia. Mm -hmm. So the Nesh mm -hmm. has just been born. Warp storms that were ravaging the galaxy are finally cleared. The Eldar mm -hmm. are, you know, falling apart because of the whole Slanesh thing. And back on Terra, on our own homeworld, the Emperor of Mankind has finally unified humanity and is ready to start his crusades. Yes. But none of that is where we're starting today, Mez. No. Like, do you want me to do that intro for, for the future? Like, <laughs> like I mean, we've heard that it's, uh, so many times now we've heard it. Like, I want to do the intro. <laughs> All right, you can try it next time, okay? Aye, aye. All right, I got it. I'm not sending you the notes for it. You have to do it from memory. Oh, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, would you like to see where we're starting today? Yes, sir. Show me the planet. Oh, God. What do you think? Wait, this this looks like... Uh, oh, what is the planet's name? I don't know. What is it name? Oh, it's the red planet. Is it Pluto? I'm thinking about Mars is the red planet. Oh, Mars is the red one. Yes, it looks like <laughs> Mars. Well, kind of bit. <laughs> I don't know, with some white craters in it. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Looks like hell. <laughs> it probably is, to be honest with you. Uh, well, it depends on the story, Ryan, that you're telling us today. Well, let's get into it. This yeah. is Colchis. Okay. Right? So, mm -hmm. Colchis is a massive planet, right? It, as mm -hmm. you can see, it's primarily desert and mountain. Um, yeah. And because it's primarily desert and mountain, most of the human civilization that exists on this planet live along like coastlines so that they can have yeah. access to water because there's visibly very little of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, life on this planet is pretty rough, as you might imagine. <laughs> you know, oh, because it it's Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's worse if you're one of the ones that live off the land rather than like in one of the cities. But... Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a trade-off between that, because it's not just like, oh, it'd be easier to live in a city. I'll just live in a city. There's a trade you have to make if you live in the city. You have to be religious. <laughs> oh, all right. Basically, all of the cities on this planet are ran by one religious organization called the Covenant, right? 
And mm. if you are not part of that religion, you will be banished from the cities as like an exile. Uh, and they will, I believe it's the declined, they call you, if you're one of the ones that aren't religious, that aren't part of the covenant. Um, so you're like even more fucked than just like, oh, I'm not in a city for protection. It's like all the people in the city probably won't help you either because you're not part of their religion. Yeah. So it's pretty rough. And humanity is divided on this planet as well, which makes it even worse. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and while we're still talking about the planet, interesting detail, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is three times the size of Earth, uh, the dates work out a bit differently, as you might imagine. So mm-hmm. uh, one year on Colchis is equivalent to 4.8 years on Earth. Uh, okay. So a day is about 170 hours long. Whew. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Dragon Ball, the hyperbolic time chamber, you know. With Little time bit. Moves differently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know, I know Warhammer is taking like inspiration from other, you know, stuff, series, whatever it is, right? By yeah. the way, the Covenant is also in Halo. I'm just saying, bad guys. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. And now Dragon Ball, right? Lay it on me, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as is the standard, you pummel to this planet from orbit in your little incubation pod. Yes. This time, however, your pod completely shatters on impact and you're left just kind of like lying there in the rubble. Uh, yep. But you were found by one of the kind of nomadic tribes that roam the wilds of this planet rather than one of the city-bound groups. Yep. Uh, and they took you in because, well, what else are they going to do with you, I guess? Uh, and you were raised by this tribe. By or they were led by a man named Fan Morgal, right? So you were led by this tribe and this leader, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, they've just found a baby and decided they're going to raise it, so they have to name the thing, right? Mm-hmm. They can't just be like, "Hey, hey, over here!" <laughs> like that'd get really <laughs> dull really name. quickly, right? <laughs> hey, you there? Hi! <laughs> 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 Start whistling at you, and that eventually you'll get the idea. Uh, yo, shithead. They descend pretty quickly and they're just throwing things at you. (laughs) (laughs) Hand me that brick. I need him to pass me something. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so they say they obviously had to name you. So what they named you in our language would uh, be Rain Collector. But in Colchisian, it is Lorgar. Oh. oh, we already got the name then. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you get to the name really early on in this one. Uh-huh. Uh, so seven days go by before anything really worth talking about happens, right? <laughs> this is not seven Terran days, this is seven days as to this planet. So that's the equivalent to about 50 days. So we're talking just shy of two months past before anything really happens, right? Yeah. But by this point, you were the size of a small child, right? Yes. I, I would imagine it's like the equivalent of dealing with like a five or a six year old at this stage. Yeah. Right? But you know, jacked. <laughs> a jacked five year old. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, so around this point, you meet a man, and this man would guide you in the years to come, right? Mm-hmm. He is an exiled priest from the Covenant. So he's been kicked out for being a nutcase, basically. Uh, his name is Cor Faron, right? Now, Upon meeting you, he realizes that there's something special about you, right? He thinks that you have been blessed by the, well, I believe it's the four they refer to them as, or the powers, right? Which is the god or the pantheon of gods that the covenant worship, right? Mm-hmm. He believes you've been blessed by them. You're special, so he he talks you into becoming his acolyte and learning from him. Mm-hmm. So you're like, all right, cool, let's do this. Let's see what happens. Uh, right, I'm, I'm going to warn you now, right? From day one, Corferon is a terrible fucking dad, right? Oh, great. He is a truly awful father, right? Fantastic. He is yeah. physically and emotionally <laughs> abusive, probably musically abusive at this stage, right? This guy is as, is as terrible a father as you could possibly find. Great. Okay? Yep, yep. Cool, just want to make sure we're clear about that, that this guy is a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. 
There seems to be a few, a few lately with the traitors. I'm just saying. It's kind of a running theme. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, First piece of evidence towards that, other than the physical and emotional abuse, he murdered the nomadic tribe that had been raising you until that stage, including their leader, Fan Morgal, so that no one would uh, would know where you came from. Right. Which is a pretty flimsy reason to murder people, I'll be honest. (laughs) Yeah. This child that no one could ever know the origin of. I better hide his origin for the last three days. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, scumbag, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just making sure we're all on the same page with that one. (laughs) So, going forward, you studied under Faeron and became a great believer in the kind of the religion of the covenant, right? Because he mm-hmm. was kicked out for being a nutcase, but it didn't mean he didn't he didn't believe in their religion or their pantheon anymore or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. His beliefs just differed from the typical caste of that religious group, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess for, for a bit of an example, it would be like the equivalent of being a Protestant in a Catholic Christian environment, right? You yeah. still believe in the same kind of root basis but, of religion, but your beliefs about it are different enough that they might kick you out in a kind of feudal enough system. So yeah. he he raised you believing in, in the same religious basis, right? Mm-hmm. But you came to your own conclusions about this, right? So mm-hmm. they believed in in their pantheon of gods, the four gods, right? Or the powers, as they were referred but you came to the conclusion that there has to be a one, a central figure that binds them all together, right? Yes. And uh, you tried explaining this to Corfiron, who immediately dismissed your idea as stupid and continued to abuse you. Right. Standard. As, Absolutely. As expected. Yeah, basically exactly what was expected from Corfiron. Because yeah. he is an arse piece. <laughs> I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but obviously he, he still thought you were special even if you came up with this nonsense um, and as expected he entirely manipulated you for the rest of your life and used you for his own benefits he figured if he yeah. used you correctly he could rule the planet yeah Arsel. Yeah. Uh again yeah still a scumbag but you were loyal to this scumbag because well he was kind to your dad at this point it was kind of the best you had yeah. Uh, to the point, you even saved his life a few times. Because you got to remember, you're still an absolute tank, even if you do are I, a religious tank. Do I, like, I'm the only Primarch, right, with a Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Kind of is. Like or at least it's a lot more literal in this sense than in most. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh Never really thought about that. That's a fair point. Yeah. Lorgar has Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Can that be a new game? Can we just try to identify Primar, or at least the evil ones, by what kind of mental disorder they've gained from their father? Oh, that sounds like a board game, you know, a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) We can make that, by the way, Ryan. We can make that. I feel like it might come off as if it's in bad taste unless you had this bit of background for the joke. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's fine. It's oh, actually, nah. We're gonna get cancelled then. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it does sound as if it's in bad taste, unless you know the kind of <laughs> the origin yeah. of it. So, <laughs> moving on rapidly. Yeah, swiftly um, moving on. Yeah. So, uh, as another thing to explain, through your entire childhood, you were plagued with visions, right? Which is another recurring theme, as you might know. Um, yeah. But it was stuff like a giant clad in bronze standing over you and, like, a cyclopean giant in blue robe standing by your side and stuff like that, right? These giant figures that were clearly more powerful than you and were, like, alien to you, kind of dominating over you, standing by your side, these kind of things, right? Yeah. Uh... Oh, they, they were worrying, but not necessarily terrifying in themselves. It wasn't like with Porter Abel constantly seeing the Eye of Terror in his visions. Because seeing that will tear your mind apart from the inside out. You're just seeing these kind of heroic figures either in like dominating positions or in supportive positions. And you don't really know what the hell it's about. So it's more confusing than anything. Um, 
Well, you know, time passes, after, uh, dad beats you more, you grow up, you develop your oratory skills because they were like the most important thing you had at this stage. Your ability to talk to people, to convince people of things was like your essential skill at this point. Because again, you yeah. were a priest. <laughs> uh, you became a devout preacher. So you started preaching to the masses about, about your religion uh, mm -hmm. and you began to amass your own following. You even became the archpriest of a group known as the Godsworn, uh, and were even titled as the Bearer of the Word, which is a pretty big title, apparently. Uh, and kind of that that in itself led to your fame growing even faster and your name kind of spreading more. You now had yeah. this like reputation of something even bigger than yourself that was spreading. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so obviously you gain more followers even quicker uh, and so on and so forth. Eventually you started using this kind of like newfound power you had because like you were famous, so you were powerful. That's kind of how it works, right? Yeah. Uh, you start using the power to free slaves all over cultures. You would just go around and preach and just make people free their slaves. Yeah. Because religion says so, I guess. So you know you were a good guy. You were you were doing pretty well at this stage. Yeah. Like you were religious and you were being abused, but you were a good guy. Like you weren't a cunt at this point. Well, it, it, it comes later. Ah, that comes from later on. That's a separate part of this. Like young yep. young Lorgar, cool guy. Like yeah, yeah, like pretty easily manipulated, but like a nice guy at least. Uh, at least chill. Yeah, <laughs> at least he was chill. Uh, until he's not but yeah yeah it, yeah to be fair he's quite dull actually he's quite a dull guy <laughs> uh so at the point that you were like kind of famous enough and well-known enough and powerful enough that you were freeing slaves you also start you took a chance and you started preaching your own beliefs rather than just like the vague kind of sense of the religion's beliefs you went one step further and now started preaching about your belief in the one that bound the four together right yeah and people took to this people were into it right so now this massive following you've got doesn't just follow your religion and specifically you as a priest of it they now follow this like particular sect of it that you've kind of spearheaded Right? Yeah. Which is quite cool, because now they're just behind you and your concept, rather than the religion and your preaching of it. Uh, yes. So you started kind of preaching that like these visions you were having were a sign that the gods were returning to Colchis, right? That this figure mm -hmm. you had seen in this, mass this massive figure in armor was, a was the one that you had been waiting for, and they were coming, they were on their way. Right, so the people had to get in line. Basically, they had to get their shit together. Right, it was like the second coming, you know, like repent or else <laughs> that kind of thing. Like you really turned up a notch by bringing in the crazy visions into the into the preaching. You know, yeah, went full on cult leader with us at this point. Yeah, yeah, but because you were becoming so famous, and now you were kind of preaching your own thing in that the uh, Covenant's priest started to get really jealous and pissed off with you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they publicly denounced you as a heretic. Oh, of course they did. <laughs> of course. It is Warhammer. If you don't like it, heretic, you know? That's it. That's the <laughs> rules. Uh, <laughs> and thus the first heretic is born. I might add. So members of the Covenant came forward to arrest you and uh, they were killed by your followers before they managed. Oh, your nice. people were just like, fuck that, get them! <laughs> just lynched <Yeah>. them. <laughs> Screw you. Like, uh... <laughs> like, you did not command them to defend you. Your people were just like, oh, yeah, fuck that's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're still a good guy at this stage, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So this kind of led to a breaking point, right? Because now there was actual, like, blood in the sands about this whole thing. So yeah. what happens is the Covenant was now split into two factions, right? There was the followers mm -hmm. of the Old Faith, which is what you were raised in, and there was the Brotherhood of Lorgar, which is this new sect of it you had accidentally founded with your beliefs yeah. about, you know, this one being coming to kind of unite it all. 
So, actually, you know, I'm going to show you what you look like at this stage. Check that out, like bald guy. <laughs> kind of scrawny for a Primark, um, I'll be honest. Uh, oh, like usually when you show me the Primarks just before and after, or even before, they're kind of badass, but do you want my honest opinion? <laughs> he just looks like a bald priest, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, he looks like exactly what he is. He just looks like a priest. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. he's not even that jacked. Like, uh, This is yeah. why Angron hated him. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't even look uh, like a Primark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. honestly, even looks boring. I'll be honest. Yeah, this episode is gonna get like thirty views max. Yeah. <laughs> so ah, it's cool. So for the next six years, the planet is in like a full scale holy war, right? With yeah. your faction, the Brotherhood of Lorgar, fighting the Covenant of the Old Faith or the followers of the Old Faith. Sorry. Um. But everyone had to take a side. There was no neutrality, right? If you were neutral, you were an enemy. So everyone took a side. And okay. eventually, after kind of towards the end of the six-year mark, you were like, right, we have to go for their capital. We have to end this now, right? The Ecclesiarch and the High Priest, the leaders of the Covenant, they need to be taken out. Otherwise, this is going to go on forever and more innocent people will die, right? So you're like, I need to stop this and this is the only way to do it, really. Mm-hmm. So you amass a massive army and march for the, the capital city of this world, which is Varadesh, right? And you stopped outside the gates with your massive army and you, you know, did the usual you'd expect, ridiculously impassioned speech, right? By the end of the speech, the gates opened to the city and some of the lower priesthood basically just dumped the corpses of the ecclesiarch and the high priests in front of you and were like, yeah, we're on board now. Oh. <laughs> like, these guys are dead. <laughs> we're on board. Can we just end it here? And you were like, works for me. <laughs> I mean, that checks out. That yeah, that works. Yeah. 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 Sees me murdering people. <laughs> Done. Easy, easy, easy. You've got a deal. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> you son of a bitch I'm in <laughs> so yeah you claim the city in, in the name of well you I guess <laughs> yeah. yeah at least the brotherhood of Lorgar you claimed it in the name of so yeah. after this you basically just took your army on tour going city to city either taking them peacefully or by force you know the huge yes. um, a few years later right there's only one city left to take uh, as a nightmare pronounced, it is Gahara, yeah, Gahever Varla. What? <laughs> what? Gahavarla? It's a stupid fucking name, honestly. There's too many vowels and too many fucking. Oh. Gahavarla, I believe it's pronounced, right? S anyway. Me. I want to pronounce it, but yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter, right? I'm never looking at this word again. I hate it. This is why I like audiobooks. Someone else has to figure out how to read the word. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so you have to take this one last city, right? Mm -hmm. The reason this city is last, though, is because it has a piece of Dark Age technology, which is still functional, called a storm generator, which, as you might expect, basically just forms a gigantic uh, maelstrom-type storm around itself in a big radius. So it's basically like a storm protecting this city that no one can pass through without being maimed. Or dead. Yeah. Right? But, as you might expect, in true divine prophet Moses style, you walk towards it and part the barrier, or just part the storm, allowing your troops to flow through. Genuinely looks like an actual, like, divine miracle. Yeah. It kind of is. You're just slightly magic and you don't really know it yet. Oh. Yeah. Uh... So, with that, you had taken the last city, you know? Because they weren't really much of a fight after that, to be honest with you. You also controlled the entire rest of the world, so one city isn't really much of a threat. So, yeah, you took over after you just, like, Moses their storm in half. Yeah. <laughs> I like the verb to Moses, by the way. <laughs> New word, and I enjoy it. Uh, but, yeah, you stood as the Lord of Colchis after that, because you had claimed every city, and... Right, so there was still some people who were not on your side after this, after you'd kind of conquered the entire planet. 
uh, like a third of the world's population was not on your side. And it's a combination of people who had turned against you during this like nine year long war you've been on mm-hmm. and a combination of uh, that and some people who, you know, were never dealt with from before you won the Holy War at the beginning. Right. Yeah. So there were still some people that were loyal to the old faith that were kicking around. But like one third of the world's population were not on board. So you had them purged. Oh, oh, of course. You can't just have them going around causing problems. God. No, 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 no. They need to learn their place, Ryan. That's that. See, that's that. And it turns out their place was death. Absolutely just death. Yes. So... A few months later, it's, it's, we don't know the exact date for this, it's somewhere between like a few months and almost a year. So, a little while later, not that it really matters, uh, a small kind of like landing shuttle craft thing descends from orbit and landed in front of your temple, right? Mm-hmm. So naturally you go to investigate, because you're like, the fuck is this? Why are things falling from the sky? <laughs> uh, and... From within the craft appears a giant in golden armor, a cyclopean yes. giant with red skin, and a handful of armored warriors. Yeah. Now, as you'd probably guessed, these are the same people you had seen in your visions your entire life. This is yeah. the one that you've been waiting for. You know, the mm-hmm. one being that binds the four powers together. This is your god standing before you. So, obviously, they introduced themselves as the Emperor of Mankind, your brother Magnus, uh, along with his Thousand Sons troops. Uh, Now, after they briefly explained the situation to you, you obviously immediately swore loyalty to your god, uh, because you knew this day was coming. You know, you'd been waiting for this dude. This is is it. He is the one. So, two things happened directly after this, right? Mm -hmm. The first is that you hold a months-long celebration for his coming, right? Obviously, Emperor doesn't like this because it's kind of religious and he hates gods and religion and wants to go continue his crusade. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of went along with it to a degree, I guess, because he needs people to be on the same side, and if he starts picking fights the moment he meets you, he has to kill you. So, you know... Like, indoctrinate you a bit first. Then murder your people. If they start religioning. Yeah. Uh, And the second thing that happened was... No, sorry. The second thing that happened was the celebration, sorry. Um, Okay, I explained this in the wrong order. I was confused there. I was like, second thing that happened was celebration. Did I even say the first? I didn't. The first thing that happened was that you reorganized the faith, like, your religion, to... Or from... Like, that kind of similar to the Covenant's old beliefs, but, like, with the addition of the One, you reorganized it from that to direct worship of the Emperor himself. Mm-hmm. Right? Second thing was the big celebration that went on. Uh, and after the celebration, you were presented with your Legion, the 17th Legion, the Imperial Heralds. But you renamed them to the Word Bearers after yourself. Slightly narcissistic, if I'm honest. <laughs> so Maybe it's that bit. Yeah. So this is the point where you go off crusading and whatnot, right? And you didn't crusade like your brothers, right? You kind of did it wrong, if I'm honest. <laughs> right? You didn't just, like, wipe out rebels and or whatever, or reclaim loyalist worlds. You full-on religiously converted worlds. <laughs> Okay. Right? It it was a whole thing, and it took fucking ages. So it was was so much slower than military conquest, obviously, as you'd expect. But at some point during this kind of period of your life where you were crusading and converting worlds and stuff, you decided to write a book on your beliefs about the Emperor, right? And it kind of works out as an equivalency. And it's not like a storyline. It's more of just like doctrines and stuff, right? Uh, Belief systems, things like that. But it kind of takes up the equivalent of like the Bible or the Torah or the Quran, right? For your religion. This book was entitled the Lectitio Divinitatis, right? It directly translates to a divine reading. Mm -hmm. But... 
it's the the point of it is basically just that it is the holy book for your religion, right? Yeah. And for the record, this book would later on accidentally slip into the hands of like the general populace among the fleets of the Crusades. And that's okay. where that's where the religion following the emperor came from. Is people were accidentally getting their hands on the Book of Lorgar. Yeah. And then it just spread through like deck crews and stuff like that. Yeah. Oopsie. Yeah. And then the emperor was gone, so there was no one to like, you know, deny it. <laughs> well shit. Yeah. So that's fun. Is it? Is it perhaps the book that is above your head right now? The one uh, in our profile picture? <laughs> the one reading all the stories? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, what you book? Should, <laughs> you should do like this, right? Like, just put your finger up. It's right, it's this right one? there. This one? It's right there. This <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I knew it might be confusing, but you got it in the end. That's, that's, we got yeah. there in the end. That's the important bit. We got bit. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, obviously, you were still crusading slower than everyone else, right? And it was only a matter of time until Dad found out and eventually the Emperor finds out and decided to look into it. He's like, why is it going so much slower? Are they yeah. happening to come into like much more resistance than everyone else? Or are they just kind of shit? What's happening <laughs> here, right? <laughs> yeah. So he looks into it and finds out what you're doing. <laughs> so he's like, no, bad Lorgar, no religion. We've talked about this. We don't do religion here. Stop converting people. <laughs> but he decides that this is quite a serious thing and it needs to be, like, you need to put a stop to it right here, right now, never again kind of thing, right? It yeah. can't be like, I slap your wrist and then you go do it again. <laughs> right? This has to no, end no, here. No. Uh, so you come to a world called Monarchia, right? And we've mm -hmm. talked about Monarchia before. This was your greatest work, right? This is your greatest project. This was the most beautiful, elegant world of, like, cathedral cities. Just an entire planet built in the idea of worshipping the emperor, right? Mm -hmm. And the emperor used this city because it meant so much to you and taken so much work from you as an example. He had the Ultramarines burn it to the ground and he made you watch. Okay. Right? So he called up Gilliman and his kids to come and burn this planet to the ground to make a point to you. And you, the Emperor, and Gilliman stand on the bridge of a ship looking out as Monarchia burns below you. Oh, God. That must be hell. Yeah. <laughs> to prove a point. Yeah. Ah, to prove a point. Yeah. <laughs> Burned a planet to prove a point. Cynical. Didn't even prove a point because it's an opinion. <laughs> just <laughs> reinforced just, it a bit. It's just how we pass time, you know? <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. It's just what we do. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, actually, while we're here, I'm going to show you what you look like as a Primarch. You know, in your proper... Armor and stuff. You look a lot cooler yeah, a bit now. More cool, yeah, a bit more cool. Yeah, a bit more cool. So after the whole Monarchia thing, right? You were kind of, I don't know. I guess disillusioned is the word, right? Because you had worshipped the emperor. You'd waited your entire life for him. You had raised cities in worship of this man as the god he is, and he's standing there denying his godhood and punishing you for worshiping him, which is right to do so, right? Mm -hmm. So you get quite bitter and twisted towards him. And after the whole monarchy, I think, you kind of disappear for a bit. You go into seclusion. And mm -hmm. you're gone for so long. Your, your legion doesn't know what to do. So they're all kind of just like holding station. They're not doing anything. They're waiting for you. And it gets yeah. to a point that the emperor is about to like sanction you again for not making progress. <laughs> when finally <laughs> you turn up again and start leading in proper military conquest. So you start making okay. really quick progress all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. Which is weird. So in your seclusion, you've been doing some kind of soul searching, you know, listening to some like sad music and whatnot. 
uh, reading your own holy book over and over, things like that, crying a bit, you know, whatever it took. And yeah. you kind of came to a conclusion, which was if the emperor didn't appreciate your work and your worship, there were other gods who would. Ooh, ooh. So you turned to the four again, to the powers. Yeah. Right? And you decided to worship them instead, because at least they would appreciate your worship. Yeah. So <clears throat> you kind of got back into the swing of things after this. You started doing military conquests, making some kind of really quick progress with taking over planets, things like that. And uh, <clears throat> so we get to a stage now where there is a lot of detail, which if we go into as much detail as we really should to get a point across clearly, we will be here till about Wednesday. Right? Oh, God. Yeah. So some of this is going to be, you know, skipping over uh, some of the finer details. We're going to try and get the main points ahead across for the rest of this episode, okay? Yeah. Right. Good. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, in this kind of, this time, this is still before the heresy, by the way, right? This is still um, kind of Great Crusade time, but we're getting towards the end of it. You're still like 40 years before heresy time kicks off. Yeah. Right. So in the time that followed, you basically just had Corpheron and uh, First Chaplain Erebus, who were already chaos worshippers, uh, whispering into your ears about chaos. Right. Mm-hmm. They were trying to like, get you to turn into like a proper chaos follower, where you were still like you were at a stage where you're like, "Fuck the emperor as a god." I'll just worship the other ones because they're better. Yeah. But you weren't like a chaos worshipper yet. You were just like an unwitting worshipper. Do you get what I mean? You weren't steeped in chaos yet. So they were trying to like get you further and further into it by like whispering in your ears about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Try to like manipulate, guide you into it. And uh, because you were like kind of at a loss for what the re- what the kind of truth of the universe was now, because until this point it had been the emperor. And now that's not the case. So you decided to turn to the one man you knew who might have an actual answer for you. Magnus. The Red. Yes. Yes, sir. But he either kind of like ignored your questions or didn't really answer them very directly. Realistically, he didn't have an actual answer for you in the way you were hoping, right? Mm. You wanted him to give you a big profound answer like the emperor being a god and in reality there isn't one right so he couldn't give you what you were looking for but you kind of just felt a bit spurned by him like he was dismissing you yeah so you decided fuck it i'm gonna go on a pilgrimage i'm gonna go explore and search out the truth of the galaxy myself right Mm -hmm. so you did some exploring along the way you met someone called uh ingefil the ascended right this was a native Cadian who had uh, who had sacrificed ten human lives, including a custodes, to become a demon prince of chaos undivided. Okay. Yeah. So this yeah. is a demon you've met along the way, right? <laughs> who was once yeah. humanish, uh, and they they showed you the primordial truth, which was chaos. Right, chaos yeah. as we would think of it, Nurgle and you know all the warping magic and stuff like that. Right, the proper horrible part of it. <laughs> right, but this this demon showed it to Lorgar as the primordial truth of the universe. Right, this is this is the secret that no one really understands. Yeah. Uh, so you were like, okay, I'm interested. You've piqued my interest. Go on. <laughs> Uh, so they explained that if humanity doesn't accept chaos, you know, like, as a whole, then they are doomed to the same fate as the Eldar, which is obviously being eaten by Slanesh. Because they kind of explained that the Eldar had progressed to a stage where they gave birth to a new god and then couldn't accept the primordial truth of the universe and thus succumb to the god rather than joining with it, right, or benefiting from it. So if humanity gets on the same page uh, and accepts this primordial truth, then they can benefit from the gods and work with them and stuff like that. 
rather than just being devoured like the Eldar are. Uh, and they also showed you some pretty horrible visions of just the actual future. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was all kind of enough to convince you that chaos was the way forward for humanity. So you got on board with chaos. Great. Yes. Good times. So from then on, you kind of led your sons as chaos worshippers. You know, but okay. chaos undivided rather than any one god in particular. You were like, yeah. we're still going for the whole Pantheon of Four thing. They're all cool. Just no one get into any one of them too much. It's easy to tell, right? If you get into Slash too much, you get tentacles. If you get into Nurgle too much, bits start falling off you. If you get into Corn, you get horns. And if you get into Zinch, we won't know what the fuck you are. <laughs> if any of those criteria are met, we shoot you. Got Yes. <laughs> or we ship you out to one of the other legions. They'll, they'll you know, we'll find the right one for you. It's kind of like a Hogwarts house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's one way to say it. <laughs> That's my favourite way to say it now. <laughs> uh, so you kind of you got all your kids onto the same page as well, and you continued your little pilgrimage thing. Uh, you ended up going into the Eye of Terror with Ingafil, uh, mm -hmm. where you killed an Eldar avatar, which was a big deal, and you murdered a bloodthirster of corn, which is pretty cool because oh. uh, Sanguinius could barely do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the Wolf's Primarch, so, you know, <laughs> that's impressive for you. But this was obviously only possible because you actually were gaining benefits from the four Chaos Gods. Yeah. Like, you were actually blessed by them at this stage. So, you know, murdering one of their own demons wasn't a huge deal because you were now, like, an upgraded Primarch. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and... Shortly after this, you finally met someone called Kairos Fate Weaver, right? And they explained to you that you had two choices, right? And they were pretty simple choices. Because at this stage, you were still carrying your kind of, your shame and your, like, desire for vengeance against Gilliman yeah. because of the whole uh, Monarchia thing, right? Yeah. You were burning with this, like, this shame and desire for vengeance about this. So the two options that you had moving forward were you could uh, kind of deal with that personal goal of dealing with your shame and guilt and stuff and slay Gilliman, right? But in the process, if you did this, you would doom Horus going forward, right? His plans would not come to fruition if you took the fight to Gilliman the way you wanted to. Yeah. Or you could accept this kind of like personal vendetta you had just internalize it, accept that you're going to have to just deal with it forever, but in the process, guide humanity towards this kind of greater goal of accepting the primordial truth, right? So if you didn't take the fight to Gilliman the way you wanted to and, you know, get petty about it and even the score out, you would, in the end, everyone in humanity would be for chaos and the primordial truth. So yeah. The future kind of hinged on this decision. Big decision. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go forward into, like, heresy times now, right? And again, we're going kind of simple detail. Luckily, a lot of this we've mentioned in some vague sense before. So, mm -hmm. but there is a couple of bits we haven't went into much detail with, but we'll deal with that when we get to it. Yeah. So, you played way too many roles in the heresy, I'll be honest, but to be fair, you were the first player within the heresy, so it makes sense that you were kind of, like, all over the place, right? You yeah. were orchestrating a lot of nonsense. <laughs> but first thing first, you send Erebus, your first chaplain, so, like, he's, like, your first command troop, right? You send him to go guide Horus towards chaos, right? So he's the one that orchestrates Horus getting stabbed with a chaos sword and all that nonsense and guides him through his fucking weird hallucinogenic dream. All that stuff, right? So he goes and does that. He deals with Horus, right? He gets Horus on side. And then you basically went around personally guiding other other Primarchs to chaos, like manipulating Angron into slaughtering everyone in his home world or manipulating Perturabo into slaughtering everyone on his home world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was kind of your role for a lot of it was like 
like Horace knew that some of his brothers were going to be on side from day one, right? Because he knew you were, because you were the one that turned him, right? Yeah. Uh, he knew he could have Fulgrim. He knew that he could get Mortarion from these early stages. Uh, Angron was a pretty safe bet too. You just gave him an extra nudge into becoming a demon. Uh, Portarabo, for example, he didn't know if he was going to be on the same team. You ha- he needed you to go kind of manipulate him into it. Right? Yeah. Drawing into the dark side. Which, to be fair, without Portarabo, he wouldn't even have scratched the walls at Terra. So, you were an essential player in this whole thing. Mm. Keep in mind, though, you were also evil and liked being in charge <laughs> and were very good at manipulating people. So, you know, you had your own ideas about how this was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So... You do your thing, jotting around the galaxy, getting people on board, and then leave them a Horus to command, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, you take Angron, like we mentioned in the Angron episode, to the other side of the galaxy over Ultramar to play interference to keep the Ultramarines out of the heresy, because there's too fucking yeah. many of them. This this came in the form of a mass-scale invasion, right? Basically, the main point of it was a world called Kalth, which was basically one of the bloodiest battles ever seen. Mm-hmm. What you did was you used a chaos virus to infect their like planetary defenses, then bombarded the shit out of the planet, and then basically a full-scale war broke out between your guys and the Ultramarines. Right? Yeah. So a huge number of Ultramarines and yours and Angron's dudes all got killed in this, but it also basically just took the to- like took the threat of the Ultramarines out of the game because their numbers had dropped so rapidly that they had to like you know organize themselves again, and they didn't expect an invasion this close, so it had thrown the worlds of Ultramar into disarray. And it wasn't just Calthew attacked as well; there was other stuff as well. So they were kind of stuck yeah. putting out fires in their own realm for a bit. But you also used the mass scale, like blood uh, flowing from this massive war, to cause the massive warp storms that trapped people into Ultramar, so they couldn't get out to go do anything anyway, right? So it was like a threefold kind of purpose. You used it to help Angrod, used it to fuck up the Ultramarines, and you used it to conjure a massive warp storm to trap people in Ultramar. So the whole point was keep the Ultramarines out of the fight going forward. They're too many of them, they're too dangerous. And you did that pretty yeah. well, we'll see. Uh, and <clears throat> that's those kind of things are your main role in this, right? But there's a kind of middle ground here where shit kind of goes sideways a bit. And you end up having to go into the Eye of Terror to go get Fulgrim, because he's a demon now. And he yeah. he is somewhere lost in the warp. <laughs> So you have to go yeah. bring him back because you kind of need him for the whole leading the Emperor's children thing, right? Yeah. It gets to a stage that you and like a handful of your troops and one of your kind of lieutenants, right, uh, who is a Dark Apostle is the name for them, special title of troop. Uh, they're like religious magic user guys. So you, a bunch of your kind of word bearers and this Dark Apostle, march into the into the warp, you end up having to go all the way to Slanesh's palace to find this arsehole, right? And there is a plan that you're setting in place here, right? There was a bit of pre-preparation for finding him. Because, one, you didn't expect him to really be particularly friendly because he was having fun in Slanesh's palace because, you know, it's the palace of debauchery. It's always going to be a yeah. fun time. Um... It's magical debauchery as well, so it can be whatever kind of debauchery you want. Uh, so you had prepared for this, right? There mm-hmm. is a thing with demons, and we haven't talked about this much before. I think we mentioned it vaguely with Grey Knights, right? There's a thing mm-hmm. with demons where if you know their true name, which is basically unfathomable nonsense, right? You have mm-hmm. power over them, right? And the Grey Knights typically use this now for battling demons because you can banish a demon back to the warp if you have their true name, right? Mm -hmm. But getting a true name is very difficult. 
So prior to going to get Fulgrim, you had performed this big crazy ritual to get the true name of the demon Fulgrim had become. Oh. But if you know the name, or the person who gets the information and knows the name is basically damned to amnesia, like full and permanent amnesia after a while. So that's why you brought the Dark Apostle along, because he knows the name, not you, because you'd lose your mind if you did. Or yeah. be a certain amount of time, but you would inevitably lose your mind. But this guy's expendable, so you brought him and he knows the name. So you march in, you find Fulgrim, you try to get him to kind of get on board, fight breaks out as you'd expect, and while you're kind of like keeping him busy and trying to like restrain him, this Dark Apostle uses the true name of the now demon Fulgrim to control him. Mm-hmm. So you now have a pet Fulgrim. <laughs> Wow, that's one way to say that's it. That's genuinely all it is, basically. So you take him your with you. Now. Yeah, so you take him with you. You round up all your troops and all of Fulgrim's troops. So you've got the full might of the word bearers and the Emperor's children together. And this is the point where everyone has been called to muster for the Siege of Terra. All the traitors are getting together to go do the whole attacking Terra thing, right? Yeah. So you go to that thing, and this is where your plan's going to kick off, right? Here's your plan. You arrive with the full might of two legions with you, right? Mm-hmm. You spend the journey there charging up warp energy and basically spirit bomb fucking Horus when you get there, right? Okay. You release this big psychic blast that'll disorientate him and fuck him up a bit. And then your apostle gets Fulgrim to murder Horus. And then you okay. become the war master. Yes. That's the plan. Bulletproof, isn't it? Uh, exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure thing. See, sure you thing. didn't think... So. You thought it was bulletproof. You thought this was going to work out great. So you rocked yeah. up. Before you could even do your big psychic attack, you were being attacked by Horus's dudes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knew. <laughs> Someone had tipped him off. He fucking knew. He knew you were trying to coup him. He was having none of it. So he attacked you before you got a chance. Uh... And then the Apostle, who was supposed to send Fulgrim to attack him, just releases Fulgrim, because he didn't give a fuck about your plan either. (laughs) Well, shit. (laughs) Uh, So it kind of comes down to like a one-on-one fight between you and Horus, and he basically kicks your ass, because he's a monster at this point. It's it's Horus, yeah. yeah. He is just like a half-warp nonsense beast at this point. So he kicks your ass, disarms you in the process, then throws your weapon back to you because he wants you to stand and fight to the death. So you just refuse to fight to the death and then start mocking him because he just became this giant warp monster rather than himself. It's cheap shots because you know you're going to lose. So he just tells you to fuck off. (laughs) It's like, you know what? I'm done with you. Get out. (laughs) He's not even killing him. Yeah, you didn't. No, he didn't kill you. He just threw you out. (laughs) Just get the fuck out of here, you loser. If there's any destiny worse than death, that must be the one. <laughs> that must be the one. Like, at least I would like, like, ah. Uh, no, you just got thrown out of the fucking ship. Like, go away. <laughs> You're boring. Where, where, do you go, where do you go from there? Like, Well, you went back to the Eye of Terror and uh, one of your kind of lieutenants just started leading your troops for the rest of the heresy, like, under Horus. <laughs> Great. So yeah, you just went back to the Eye of Terror and just did your own thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, since then, uh, since the whole heresy thing finished up, by the way, uh, you've basically spent your time roaming around the Eye of Terror, uh, doing vaguely religious things in worship of the Chaos Gods, um, and have been being hunted by Corvus Corax, as you know. Yeah. Who is now a big shadowy warp beast. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't done a lot since then, I'll be honest. <laughs> and that is the story of Lorgar Aurelian. Oh yeah, you have right. a last name, it's Aurelian. Oh yeah, it's just in the end. <laughs> it wasn't really relevant to the story, I'll be no, honest. No, no, he's just known as Lorgar, so... Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. His uh, his most valuable contribution to the entire storyline is uh, probably the Book of Lorgar, which is why everyone worships the Emperor in current day. Yeah, that book right there. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny thing, right? In some of the, the newer books, right, there, there's a trilogy about Gilliman fighting Mortarion since they both returned, right? And mm. uh, in it, obviously... As we've mentioned, uh, Gilliman sets up this thing called the Historitors to piece together an accurate history of what happened while he was gone. And yes. one of them manages to find like a perfectly intact ancient copy of the Book of Lorgar for him and gives it to him and is like, like, do you know what this is? And he's like, yeah, I recognize it. And basically it turns out back at this point, he didn't even read the book. Because he just dismissed it as Lorgar's nonsense. Right? <laughs> but he also like condemned him for his beliefs. But he didn't even know what they were because he hadn't read the book. He never heard him out. So in the current day, Gilliman has now read the book of Lorgar and understands his beliefs. But still thinks he's wrong. But he like understands where he's coming from the whole time yeah. now. Which is quite cool. Because I'm like... I didn't really expect Gilliman to have actual growth as a character. You know? So there's a bit more understanding going on now. But also, uh, it's one of the many things of history that uh, that Gilliman is hiding from everyone. <laughs> he can't have anyone... Because if anyone finds out that the book, that, like the religious text that they use to worship the emperor is... Be, is is literally written by the guy who tried to kill him. It'll kind of end the galaxy. Everyone will just like atom bomb their own planets into oblivion if they find that out. Yeah. So they can't really have that. <laughs> so that's one of the secrets. And the other one is uh, the uh, Empire of Sanguinius. When Sanguinius was briefly the emperor of... Gilliman's second attempt at an Imperium because he thought the Emperor had died. Uh, he's also yeah. keeping that a secret because then everyone will think he tried to usurp the Emperor first. <laughs> so, Gilliman's on very precarious footing at the moment. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah, but the Lion's back now, so that should be funny. <laughs> hey, we love that. Yeah. But that is everything I really have to say about, uh, about Borgar, as he has recently started being called. Borgar. It's boring. <laughs> oh, and that's why I said I don't think this episode will get many views, but that's fine. <laughs> the, uh, the algorithm can prove me wrong. Mm. I doubt it. Yeah. All right, to your last time. Lorgar is last. Well, <laughs> am I being mean if I just say he should stay there? Or no. Or should be like a... And make like a lower tier <laughs> for himself. Do you, do you want me to move? Uh, do you want me to move Conrad Kerr's up to C tier just to like make Lorgar look even worse? You know what? Fuck it. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't swear, but yes, <laughs> dude, I've been swearing the whole episode. It's too late for that. Wait, I love the fact that we're talking about Lorgar, right? And he's not even the guy we're moving. <laughs> yeah, we're not supposed to do this. <laughs> Your lore is bad, and you should feel bad. <laughs> I think this is justified. The thing is, right, I, I don't like Lorgar personally. His storyline isn't bad, though, right? He as a character is just a boring guy. <laughs> he doesn't do yeah. a lot. And he he's always just kind of, like, vaguely evil <laughs> and a bit pretentious about it. So I don't really care for him too much. So he can stay at the bottom for all I care. I don't particularly hate him. I just don't particularly like him. <laughs> Well, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't think there's any of them I actually actively dislike, to be honest with you. Now that I think about were, it. it. But if you had to choose one. If I had to choose one to say I actually dislike. Uh, oh, now you're asking. That's a good question. I think Alpharius. Oh. Because his storyline just comes off as confusing for the sake of confusing, right? It doesn't come off as interesting and confusing. It just comes off as, like, way too confusing to follow. <laughs> confusing for the sake of confusion. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Kind of fish. Yeah, so th there's a point where along, like, when I start going through Alpharius' storyline, there's a point where I basically just go, Ugh, 
I don't care. It's too much <laughs> nonsense. Shit. Just do one okay. thing that makes sense, please. <laughs> Well, but at least his storyline is like interesting along the way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Lorgar at the bottom and uh yeah. Do you want me to uh, round it up for uh, for this episode? Yeah, go for it. Well then, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Iterators of the Imperium Podcast. This has been me, Mess, and Ryan, and we will see you in the next one. Take care and peace. Bye.